1: sammy montgomery entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner today my guest is trisha Stiggy. she is the founder and ceo of transformation strategies an executive coaching and change management consulting organization that helps leaders make real change happen trisha welcome to the podcast thanks amy so glad to be here so can you share your journey with us in becoming a leadership coach
0: Sure. I grew up outside the Philadelphia area. My father was a physician, which always intrigued me about appealing to the, my natural nature of how do things work. So I always had an attraction to the sciences. And I've always been a person who's been interested in what makes things work as well, as, and what makes people tick, what drives them. So in graduate school, I then realized that I'm drawn to the psychology of things as well as having an interest in how businesses run. And since leaders are the key ingredient of this happening, it was a natural byproduct to make coaching and leadership coaching a marriage. Why do you think
1: 70% of change initiatives fail?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of different reasons, and some even debate this theory that 70% change initiatives fail for those people who may know in the change management world or whatever, um, there's been a lot of debate about, is it really 70%? But regardless of what it is, a lot of change initiatives just don't work. And I think there's a lot of contributing factors to that. I happen to believe that the one key thing that makes or breaks a change initiative fail is That leaders that are leading change simply do not know how to do it. They don't understand some of the basic principles about managing change, the fact that change has different phases that you go through, uh, that there's tools and processes that you learn that you use throughout it, that it's important to understand how the brain works because. Those people that they're asking to adopt any change initiative, whether it's a merger or a new technology, whatever it is, people's brains are reacting to that request. And really at the heart of change, where change really happens, is at the leader direct report level. Because at the end of the day, that individual that you're asking to adopt change needs to make a personal decision to make that change and many will not do that if they don't have a trusting relationship with their direct manager so it's really key uh, that leaders really build that trusted relationship and many of them don't know how to do that and they get in their own way of doing it so that's My personal philosophy, why change efforts fail? There's other things that supplement that.
1: Is it possible to motivate your team for change so that there's less resistance?
0: Yes, it is. We have lots of different things that we do, one of which is making sure that the right environment working conditions exist. So that psychologically safe environment that people are talking about now, but also recognizing, as I mentioned, the different things that are going on in the brain. So when you really understand what's happening with the brain, essentially our brain was created to protect us. And when people are feeling threatened by something, they're going to resist. So if a leader understands what's going on for people, can sympathize with it, have empathy with it, understand why people are reacting, that would be a huge help. The other thing is that people need to have a voice. They need to have input to the change. And individuals who are being asked to change, if they're not incorporated somehow, if their voice isn't incorporated somehow, and given a role in helping change, they're going to resist it. So, Leaders that are providing really good communications that are honest are going to have huge wins in this area of overcoming resistance. So I have a story to share if that would be of interest.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> so I had a client that I was working with and the it was with a big pharmaceutical company and there were going to be significant changes occurring in that pharmaceutical company, which would require... Uh, A lot of layoffs because they were taking their business in a new direction. When the uh, occurrence happened, the uh, CEO of the company actually had a town hall and called together and was extremely honest with them about the reality of what was going on, why they were making the changes, and what was going to be happening in the future. He positioned it from a business perspective, but he also made it very human to say, this is not going to be an easy journey. I am asking you to come along. Some of you will find yourselves needing to find work in other places because we're just moving on to a different strategy. What I loved about it so much, Amy, was that he was so honest with them and gave people a chance to really hear it, absorb it, start making plans for themselves. And interestingly enough, after the town hall was over, I was listening to comments as people were walking out and the energy was really elevated. You would think people would be depressed, but many were saying, you know, I hear comments like, well, at least he's given us the the real deal, you know, he's being honest with us. And so that does goes many, many miles to minimizing resistance. And it was a great witness.
1: I love that. What is involved during change?
0: Well, there's a lot of different things, but there's the architecture of change, what I'll call the architecture of change, where we're taking as change strategists, we're putting together a change strategy, which includes a roadmap, a framework. Here's what we're going to do. Here are the different phases. Here's the tools we're going to use around you know, doing stakeholder analysis and communication plans and training plans and getting change networks uh, together, those folks that are in the business that can be a voice from the change management office, if you will. So I'll call that all of the architecture or surroundings of change. If you think about it like a house, it's the external foundation and what do you call it? The frame of the house, if you will. But change, as I mentioned, occurs in the hearts and minds of people. And if you think about the interior of the house, the people side of change is like the interior of the house where you're tending to how it looks and feels and creates that sense of safety where people want to share and be in communication and dialogue and feeling connected and things there's two parts the piece that most people don't do a good job about taking care of is the inside the people side understanding all the motions and everything that I've just talked about with the brain and everything
1: so how do you use neuroscience to empower leaders
0: well, neuroscience is a great, it's an emerging field. I mean, it's been around for a while, but it's starting to get applied to a lot of different aspects of business. And people like it because it makes it easy to understand. It's evidence based. So it takes sometimes what can be perceived as a very soft, touchy feely thing around just, you know, dealing with people in the side of change. It makes it very, It's scientifically backed. So what that is helping our uh, clients do that are our leader clients that are leading change is take and understand not only the science behind it, and turning over their skepticism about change management. But it's something they can easily relate to because they've been through it themselves so they can understand it. And again, once we understand how the brain is reacting, it really makes it easy for people to take and look at this whole change thing in a new way. And it's practical. It helps better people understand their behavior better. It's, and it's helping leaders be a little bit more confident in their ability to lead change. It's also helping them be more empathetic because of the fact what I just said, they have gone through things themselves and they can relate because we're all human. So, and change is one of those things, even the little smallest things that you do can make a big difference. So that's how we're using it to change leadership capabilities.
1: What is one way you can help leadership get aligned to create the change that's needed?
0: Well, one way is hard because there's a lot of different things that we can use, but I would say, you know, getting leaders really educated and they don't have to be, there's different levels of education. So we actually have a, a leadership maturity model, change leadership maturity model that helps folks diagnose, if you will, where they are on this continuum of understanding change. A leader, depending upon what they're doing in the organization, an executive does not need to be a full-on practitioner understanding, you know, exactly everything we do when we're putting a transformation strategy together. But they do need to understand that there are certain things that you need to do and create the conditions to adopt change. The practitioner needs to obviously understand much more details, but it's education, I think, that's going to be the key uh, thing for people again, helping leaders understand the different phases of change and the things that we do, as well as understanding the whole neuroscience behind change.
1: What are some of your client success stories?
0: Well, I've had several, but there was one that uh, was particularly interesting that I was involved with again on the heels of, of a merge. It was a smaller company in the sense that it had probably about 1,000 or 1,500 people. But they needed to really shift their vision. A new CEO was coming in, and they really needed to get people bought into the merger. So we pulled together a pretty large-scale meeting where we pulled a majority of the organization into a room and had three days of thinking about You know, recalibrating the vision, the mission, what were things that they wanted to see themselves accomplish in the organization. And when they all came in the room, it was, you know, all these different agendas and all these different feelings about this new CEO and how is this really going to impact me? Am I going to lose my job, et cetera, et cetera. And we give them time to initially talk out what we call their mads, glads, and sads are mad, sad, and glad, so what am I, you know, angry about, what am I uh, sad about, and what am I glad about, we put them into what we call microcosm roundtables so that every table is is a microcosm of the entire organization. Well, just having the dialogue about what people are mad, sad, and glad about does right there you're overcoming a lot of the resistance because people are beginning to realize that some of these things are common in their nature and i mean common in their conversation and there's other people feeling the same way so that starts to to help the organization it helped the the whole group start to gel and start thinking like one mind and without going into a whole lot of other detail, by the end of three days, they were all completely on board, bought into the mission, the new vision that they had put together had, you know, multiple different work streams set up and action plans and things like that. And again, the reason that was successful is going back to what we were talking about earlier about overcoming resistance. All of those people had a voice in that process and making it happen. And because of that, they were able, you know, you, you can get behind something that you really helped build and create. So that was one example. I was also part of something similar to that after 9-11 occurred. There was a huge meeting at the Convention Center in New York where 5,000 people came together to really define what are we going to do, what's going to happen with the site where the towers were. And again, I was a facilitator at one of the tables that had what, 10 people at it. So 500 tables. And we use technology to basically move and shift the, the room. But it was an interesting case of, again, getting the key people that you needed to really buy in, giving them a voice in the process. And so those are some of the things that I've been involved with along the way. I've also been involved with other companies where we've done a lot around getting a another situation, a pharma company. They were rolling out a new document management system. They didn't have the entire globe on the same system. So we were leading a change strategy to get them all on the same system, which in and of itself was interesting because we had to reach out and build change networks across, I think, the 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 uh, impacted number of people was about 5,000 people and had to do a lot of hand-holding and putting structures in place and processes in place for people to, to take and be able to immediately implement tactics that we were asking them to do and change. It's a very dynamic thing. Nothing's written in stone. There's lots of different methodologies out there about change methodologies and we can follow multiple structures and processes but at the end of the day they're all pretty much the same and it's really about just getting people to understand what you're trying to do they may not like it (laughs) because we certainly have people that get change implemented to them if you will and that's usually why people push back
1: what do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey
0: so I think at the core of what I believe is that every human desires to belong and feel appreciated and to feel connected. And if we're going to be going to work in organizations for, well, it's no longer a 40 hour week, you know, 50, 60 hours, whatever, we're spending all our time there. We want to be able to create work environments that allow people to feel like they belong to something important, that they have a purpose and that they are appreciated. And when things are going on, they are asked for input. So I really, you know, that's one key truth that I have. My work really helps connect leaders with their teams to help them feel like they belong. The other thing that is a core value of mine is about truth. Telling the truth is the best policy, no matter how hard it is. And it really fosters authenticity and allows people to really be vulnerable. When I am truthful about something, you know, if I share in a group something that happened to me and I'm truthful about it, and allow, it gives people permission to feel that vulnerability also, and we're moving into a workforce that's really demanding this of its leaders. They want empathy. They want vulnerability. They want leaders that um, know how to rally teams and connect leaders that are servants to them, if you will, Uh, consider them not assets to use and spit out when they're done, but that employees are precious resources And so that's creating those environments to really allow people to feel connected and belong and doing something purposeful.
1: So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be?
0: There's a couple of things. This is a journey. And you need to really be patient with yourself. There's many along the way who are going to be willing to help you along and you can rely on others. The change management journey is not for the faint of heart at all. Some people would probably say we're a little bit nuts for trying to do this uh, because you don't always get to see the fruits of your results. And it's, we're playing a little bit of the organizational psychologist. You know, we have... Like I said, methods and things that we can use, but to some degree, when you're asking people to change and you're messing around with their psyche, you're messing around with their pocketbooks, um, it really can tap into some, you know, emotional areas. And oftentimes we get asked to sit and listen, play counselor, play coach. And the other thing that occurred to me when I was thinking about this question is, really believe in what you have to offer and be courageous in doing what you think is right, even when you're getting pushback from others. So there's many times that I had to really say some things to a leader that others would tell me that's a career killer. And yet I didn't feel at the time like I wouldn't be doing my best job and playing my best role if I wasn't honest. And, you know, sometimes the systems have kicked me out. I mean, that's just how it goes. We don't really want to hear what you have to say. But others have appreciated, like, they've been swindled so many times by different consultants and things like that, that having somebody come tell them like it is. And oftentimes, executives at the top don't get that feedback. People hide data from them, and they relish having somebody who will be that straightforward. So that's, those are some of the things that I think I've learned.
1: So if there is somebody that's listening that would love to work with you, what is the best way to contact you?
0: I think probably looking at our website and getting a feel for some of the projects that we've had and can always connect with us uh, via phone or my email is info at transformstrat.com. Transformation Strategies is my company's name. They can get a feel for the kinds of services we have. We have some, do a lot of blogging. We have some podcasts on, there's infographics that can help them around m- multiple different topics, change leadership, change management, the remote workforce, lots of different things. So Perfect. that would be the best way.
1: I'll put all those links down below. Trisha, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today. Thanks a lot, Amy. Appreciate it. Yes. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone. And have a wonderful week.